Hi, I'm Eliana Yolcut. And I'm Tova Leibovic Douglas. We are two rabbis and two mothers here to talk finding wisdom in work, parenthood, smashing the patriarchy, and the juggle of the everyday. The Torah we carry in our pockets at home and in the world. Welcome to Not Your Jewish Mother. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Not Your Jewish Mother. I'm Tova Leibovic Douglas, here with Eliana Yolkut. Hi. Um, we are here. I can't believe it, Eliana. This is not our final episode, obviously, but we're going to take a longer break, a little sabbatical, if you will. And I just can't believe we are here in December, like mid are we like mid-December? Is this considered mid? Yeah, mid-December, right? Yeah, I mean, I think anything after the tenth, I would say, is mid-December. So it's Crazy. the thirteenth today, Crazy. as we record. Oh so. my goodness! Yeah, I like to call it a winter hiatus. I'm not sure you're not really buying that, but that's like what TV shows say. Like we're on our winter hiatus, and then they don't have any new episodes. Yeah, and like that's what okay. I'm calling it. In my in my head, that's what I'm calling it. Like Great. oh, we're like we're like my favorite TV shows. We're taking a winter hiatus. Right. So for listeners, what that really means is basically Eliana and I are going to be taking care of our tiny humans in a in a hopefully a very relaxed zen state as the two of us always are off of <laughs> podcasting land. But really in general just trying to trying to, but we're actually going to be spending quality time with our family in different ways. And I actually want to hear your plans, Eliana, for like that winter hiatus. But I'm just going to tell folks that when we're going to return so they can mark it on their calendars as if you're a Virgo out there like me, you might have your calendar out marking it. We will be returning with our episode after this January 14th. Is that right? Yep. That's it. Okay. So though the anytime after the December 17th is when you will hear this episode when we're we'll drop it on December 17th Fridays which is our usual drop day and then we'll be back on the 14th with our next half of the season. Okay. So so I guess that's my question. What what are you what are you going to be up to or what's one word you're at right now? Yeah. I feel stuck, frustrated. That would be it. Like stuck, frustrated, stuck slash frustrated. I like to have slash words. I think people should be allowed to do that more often. I just, yeah, I kind of want to be more calm at the end of the vacation, but I'm mm-hmm. not having that high of hopes, to be honest. I really wanted to go north to snow. Mm-hmm. I wanted to rent a house and get my kids one day of ski lessons because they don't ski yet. And I would really like them to learn. And I need a re, like a re, like a re, re like, I don't know what's called a re up of my skiing quality. And I wanted to rent a house and just do like one day of that. And then like one day of less intense winter sports, like tubing or sledding and stuff like that. And then like two days of nothing like board games. My kids are really into games. I don't know if you've gotten to that phase yet, but all three kids are like really good at games and really love games. So we do a lot of game playing. So like, I would love to just take our favorites with us and like have hot cocoa and be cuddled up and play games. And I just, it's been hard to figure that out, the logistics of that. Nobody cares about the details of the difficulty, but, and I just feel like what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up staying at home and people are going to be bored and annoyed with each other. So that's like what I'm worried about. You don't really ask what I'm worried about, but like, I want to move from stuck to frustrated to calm, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like in a vacation time with three kids and two adults. Like, yeah, I'm not I, sure I think we know calm, how to do think, that yet. I think you need to take calm out of there. I'm sorry. But why? I, because I think it's a really high expectation. Meaning, of course, like one can strive for surrendering to the chaos and feeling an inner calm for sure. But to have to have a expectation of calm with three children and a partner and no school or like it just that's that I don't know I don't know very many families that go on winter break and they're like how was winter break 
It was calm. I'm going to adjust it. I'm going to adjust it. Not that the break is going to be calm, but at the end, I will feel re-entry. Will, like, I will re-enter my life and I will feel calm. I didn't mean that the, the winter break itself had to be calm, but that like the... So I'm going to say something else, I guess. the Like a, re- a sense of release. Mm-hmm. Like if I feel wound up and I need uh-huh. like somebody to like give me a valve. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely know what you're saying. So I'm I looking just... for a valve. Maybe a vacation, isn't it? Yeah. I think a vacation maybe from the children might yeah i knew that too Um, (laughs) (laughs) tell me about your plans you guys are going away right we are planning to go away and i don't know um my expectations for it honestly we will be doing some of the things you mentioned in the snow skiing maybe games i guess yeah and we'll be with my extended family and i i'm excited for it it's like a nice it's just nice and also like i think the pandemic has shifted a lot of how i feel about pretty much everything including you know travel and being away from my cocoon of home and all the things that i have to like work on with my own personal anxiety is just really heightened when i travel and i'm out of my controlled environment. So um, so there's a lot that I have as it's like less than a week away. Like there's a lot on my mind, like with getting ready for that. And I'm working on just the surrender part, which like is not easy for me either. So it's just been, you know, it's exciting and it's privileged and it's lucky and it's blessed and it's awesome. And like, there's just like a lot of inner work that I have going, going on to get there. Are both of your sisters going to be there? Um, no. So sad. Well, well, one will be, um, but the other one, yeah, can't take off work. So, and that's like bummer, but, but, you know, it still will be great to be there. I don't know. This is how I know it's a good thing to do. Everyone around me is so excited. My children are excited. My husband's excited. Everyone around me is really excited. I'm the only one that's like, hmm, interesting. What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) So I know that it's like the right thing to do. But I think like, I am sure I'm not alone in this, like where it's really confusing. How does one live? How does one live life today? Not that we're in a post pandemic world, but we're certainly in a different sort of stage of a pandemic where there's vaccines and we've been living with it for a long time. But then at the same time, there's another variant. It's like blah, 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 like at this point, right? Like not that it's blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we should all be like taking it seriously. But also it's a little bit blah, blah, blah. Like, have you read the news? I know it's early in LA. Have you read the newspaper yet today? No, I try to stay away from the news. What uh, so did it say? The, no, no, no. The New York Times in an opinion side. I know just because we've talked about Adam Grant before. He has an opinion piece that today and in the Times. And I just read it right before we got on with each other. And he talks about how like when you have things that like you have anxiety about or or allergic to or different like sort of issues that you challenges that you might have in life. One of the techniques, one of the therapeutic techniques that people use for phobias and whatnot is like you recreate the situation that causes you anxiety so you can learn how to cope and in a controlled environment. And he talked about how like it feels like somebody's called fire in the theater many, many times over the course of the last 21 months. And people are in a place that you just like literally just described, which is like, oh, there's a new variant. Okay, this is like the fourth variant. And people just like are tired of they don't know if it's true anymore. Do you know what I mean? Not that that not that COVID isn't true, but like how much should we worry? And I think like what you're expressing is like what a lot of people are feeling, which is like this, okay, like I'm safe. Like I've gotten the vaccine, I've done all the things. I'm not doing crazy things that are like super exposed. And then we do things that are like slightly more exposed, for instance, traveling, 
where you're obviously going to encounter other people that you maybe won't encounter and be in places where they may not take, they may not look at COVID in the same way that you do. And so it's just like, it feels like blah, blah, blah. Like, what am I supposed to do about this? Like I have anxiety about it or I have worry about it, but I also want to enter life in a way. And people are just in this like bad place psychologically because it's just very hard to like figure out how to live this life, like in this current moment. Mm -hmm. We should move on. We decided that we wanted to really sort of peel back the curtain a little bit and return to our roots or are the reason we, the why, the reason we started this podcast, our origin story, because it's really important to sometimes remember the why. And Eliana and I have been doing this work together since the beginning of the pandemic, pretty much, right? Like in some form, for, format, not on a podcast. We started on Facebook, but right. It was in, it was like the spring of 2020 when we started. Is that right? Yeah. I think it was a couple of months. Summer, in, maybe. Yeah. I think it might have been the summer. I think it have been like sometime between the spring and the summer. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's been a long time. We can say that. Right. So we want to talk about that. And before we do, we also want to just acknowledge how this podcast is made, which is not as much as Eliana and I are just fabulous at like sharing our opinions and our thoughts. (laughs) We have zero, and I say this with certainty, zero experience with technology with podcasting life, with um, sound editing or sound listening, really. We don't really even hear things that other people hear. Therefore, we rely heavily on our really awesome, awesome sound editor who helps produce this. His name is Eliyahu Unger Sargon, who is just really an awesome human and has a lot of great things happening from his end, artistically, his own podcast, but really he helps us with making us sound really good. And so um, we wanted to just give a shout out to him and gratitude really for, for all that he does for us. And hopefully today's episode just really come back to the why of um, Eliana and I and how we started. So I'm going to just like paint a picture for for listeners, if that's okay, Eliana. Yeah, do it. We'll go there. Okay, it's 2020. The world is shut down. We don't know what to do. We're all really kind of freaking out collectively. And Eliana and I were both rabbis. We're both um, women. We're both moms. And we both were, I think, writing um, similar posts on Facebook. Not the same exact thing, but we had a similar sort of vibe of how we were coping, thinking about the pandemic um, from the lens of being a parent and from a lens of being a rabbi and sort of the intersectionality of those two things. I know Eliana has been doing a lot of that work for a long time, but she reached out to me saying, what would it be like for us to like actually talk about the things we're posting about on Facebook and did that in front of people? I literally woke up in the middle of the night, Tova. Hmm. And I woke up and I was like, you know what would be really great? I should ask Tova if she wants to like go on Facebook Live and just like have a conversation about all the things that we're reflecting on having to do with the pandemic and being moms and rabbis at home and all of that, like literally in the middle of the night. And I wrote myself I a it. note. I keep a piece of pad of paper next to my bed because sometimes I have ideas in the middle of the night. <laughs> and um, I wrote it down because I was like, I ask that. a deer if like, he thinks this would be a good idea. A deer being also my our brother. Connection. Yes. Our, okay. My brother is friends with very good friends with Tova. One of Tova's good friends. One of his good friends is Tova. And I didn't really know Tova other than having met her at a couple of events and seeing her on social media. It was like sort of like a, a, a light lightning bolt moment for me. Right. 
I love it. And yeah, and you asked me and I was like, oh my gosh, Eliana wants to do something with me. This is exciting. Great. Because Eliana was, you know, a dear's older sister, but also one of those revered rabbis in lots of circles, but specifically Ziegler, especially like her name, the school I went to, her name was just like thrown around a lot. So... (laughs) I was really surprised. What that that means? (laughs) (laughs) Only bad things. (laughs) Just kidding. No, of course, good things. No, and we had so many mutual people in our lives that we both really care about, and so it made sense that the two of us should connect at some point, right? I could like make a list of a lot of connecting, like definitely, like dots that are just like really wild that were connected. So I was really excited when when you called and nervous, and also like, yeah, of course, we're gonna do this Facebook Live. So that's how we started, listeners. And you could find these, these like little uh, conversations that we had in the beginning, which were really like free flowing, (laughs) a lot of anxiety from me and also from you, Eliana, right? Like processing, what does it mean to be a human today? And it was really fun. And we kept getting feedback from people that know more than we do in this field that said, this is great. I don't want to watch it. I want to listen to it. This is great. I would I would listen to this on my long walk. This is great. It's a little bit scattered. Can you make it a structured sort of thing? And so what we did was we created this podcast, Not Your Jewish Mother. And it has been a labor of love. And it is a labor of love. And as I said to Eliana before we started recording today, it's basically like a sort of a startup. And we're experimenting like every single week, every single day, we're trying to figure out like, how do we do this? And we wanted to just sort of reflect on like why we started and hopefully have more of a free flowing conversation today on what does it mean to be podcasting as two rabbis, as two moms, as two women who like really in in some worlds would be in competition with one another. And hopefully this conversation will feel different for our list, for, for everyone, but also fun. So um, here we go. I guess for you, I'm curious what the experience has been like to do this and, and also what your feeling is doing this work with me now versus maybe the early stages of this project. Like where, where are you at with, with this? And be honest, because we're going to process live how we process offline today. Yeah. I mean, I think initially for me, like I was just really, I was bored in the sense that like I had already been teaching online for a few months and I found it less than ideal. I found myself like when I teach normally Tova in person, like I'm super hyped up. Like I cannot, it takes me a long time to relax Mm -hmm. after I teach. Mm -hmm. And I was finding I was teaching and I was like really bored with myself. And I would come out of those sessions and like be up in my attic and my kids would be downstairs doing homeschool stuff because they were in a home. And I was just like, God, I'm like really not, there's like not, I don't feel excited. And I think like that malaise was what caused my wake up in the middle of the night. And so like from the outset, I felt a sense of like, wow, this is like really interesting and creative and so different than anything I've done in my rabbinate. And also, like, I'm just interested in, like, rabbinic voice, I guess I'd call it. And I'm specifically interested in women's rabbinic voice. And so, like, I was like, who can I talk to that's going to, like, I, mean, I don't know that well enough to, like, I don't want to know everything about you. Like, part of what I like about our relationship is, like, we both live pretty separate lives. And while we're close, I would call us good friends at this point. Like, we voice note and know a lot about our, like, day-to-day life with our kids and all of that. Like, we live these, like, very segregated lives. And so, like, that's kind of good. Like I'm constantly learning things about you and all of that. 
And I would say like the through line for me has been a sense of creativity. Like from the beginning, I felt like this was a creative endeavor. Like you, you use the language of a startup. So I just always use creativity, but I think it's kind of the same notion, which is like, I don't have a lot of expectations for what this is going to be or what every, what each individual episode is going to be, or what this larger project that I feel like we're in is going to be. But I feel like I'm constantly reaching towards something new, like when we're talking to each other and challenging myself to think in a different way and you challenge me to think in a different way. And that's like really has been really enlightening for me. And I just really find it challenging, but in a good way. Mm. And then I think the like part of podcasting that is the hardest for me is like it is a constant flow of like needing ideas. In other Mm. words, like it's pushed me in a good way, even though it's sometimes hard to be like, okay, well, we're meeting every Monday and every other Monday we record and we have to like have what to talk about. Like, we have to have what to say about things. And I think before I would kind of let myself off the hook. And so like now I'm forced to like, when I read things, I'm like, oh, I should think about this. Like I should have a response about this or we should talk about this on the podcast. And in part, that's because like we do see things a lot of times differently. And so like I have to sort of, I can't just say like, oh, this is how I feel. I have to be able to articulate like, why do I feel this way? And why do I think about this issue in this way? Does that did answer your questions? It did. It answered. Thank you for all those kind words. I, I also... I also feel like this podcast is a really important part of my life, professional life, but also personal life. It's like an interesting intersection. And I don't always feel that of everything professionally. So I've really appreciated it and value it. And something that we've talked about behind the scenes is really this idea and concept of women empowering women and also competition between women. And something I'm wondering about is, is there tension with all the beautiful things that you shared? What's the tension for you with doing this? If there is, if there is tension, and maybe it's not with me, maybe it's with the world. Um, And we can just also talk about what we talked about, which is I think that we live in a world that is inherently patriarchal. That just is the case. And we all sort of play roles within that and, and work our way around it or through it or in it, we're not outside of it because we all live in the world, right? Which means that there's things that come up that are not always beautiful and kind and lovely. And I know that I've experienced that as a female rabbi, I don't know, right? But I know that I've had to sort of navigate a lot of different things. And it's not just, we paint this picture that it's just around men and it's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, there's sort of an underlying competition, which I know you've said you haven't, you haven't felt, but I want to hear more and unpack it a little bit to see if that's there. Are you talking a competition with each other? Yeah, not me and you. I don't actually, I should say this. I actually, it's funny. I don't feel competition with you. And I think it's because we're on the same team doing a podcast with one another. We are on this adventure together. We are partners in it. And so I feel like we're partnering in that. And that's that's really beautiful. But in all the beautiful things that you said, is there any tension there for you? Meaning with me or with the world? We've talked a little bit about competition in the past. Is there anything there? I think the only thing that I feel tension about is there are things that I want to be able to talk about on the podcast that you don't want to talk about. The subjects that I think are harder for you to talk about because of what you're building. And so like that, I don't feel competition with you. I really don't in any way. You've gotten a number of things like successes, what I would call successes. And like, I don't feel a sense of like, like I'm so happy for your success. Yeah. No, I, I feel that with you too, just to, to be very clear. 
in this conversation. Yeah. I feel that with you too. Yeah, I'm rooting for you. I think though what's what I think is interesting about that actually for me is that I don't think that's always the case for many, many of us. Meaning, I think what's interesting about the space that we're creating is that there is a sense of partnership in team player. Like, of course, podcasting, when there's two people, that's what you're doing. But I think you and I actually really consciously work through elements that are harder for us in order to be a team on this Not Your Jewish Mother podcast, that we have sort of different gifts, different viewpoints. We process a lot in order to get to a place that feels resonant and works for each of us, which is a lot of work, right? Like that's like not a simple task. It's not like we just wake up in the morning and we're like, oh, I have an idea. And and I tell you and you're like, oh, that's great. Let's just do it. That's not how this works. It's I have an idea. What do you think about that? Can we talk about that? How do we talk about it in a way that works for you? How does it, you know, like there's like a lot of processing that goes on in order to produce one episode. But don't you think that's just the nature of relationship? In yes. other words, like that's not, that doesn't feel hard to me in the sense that like every relationship requires negotiation. Yes, I, I agree a hundred percent. But I think typically rabbis are not in relationship with one another unless they're married to one another. Like, like okay, I think like so- typically I think rabbis, not just rabbis, I think many Many fields. It's not just rabbi specific, but I think we are sort of set up to be in competition with one another. That is like how the setup is. Again, hashtag patriarchy. Like that's just what it is. And we all sort of play into that. We all work around that. We try to figure our ways way through that. And I think you and I, it's not that we're doing anything so remarkable. There's plenty of podcasts that are out there, right? There are plenty of partnerships out there. But I think we are, I think something that feels very unique to me in this experience is that there isn't that level of competition because there is a process happening. And I think that's like a model, not for the world, but at least for me, it's a model. It's been a helpful model matriarchal in some way. Okay. I, that, I agree with the matriarchal part. Like I I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Like, I feel like this feels matriarchal to me. It feels, there's a mothering that, that happens for, on, for me on both sides, like a mutual, like there, there is a sense of our motherhood present in our relationship, which is very resonant and powerful for me in our friendship. And I think a, a big part of it for me is like why the friendship works outside of the podcast, but also inside of the podcast. But I think, and we've talked about this before, like, I don't feel, I know that competition exists. I know that people feel that way. And I just do not, I don't live in that world. I think, okay. I'm saying, I I believe that I'm the exception. I, I believe you, that I am the exception of a larger culture of competition. And I will just tell you that I just... I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about my experience and I don't know what it is about me as a person but like someone asked me recently as you know I'm very good friends with Lauren Holtzblatt who is the co-senior rabbi of Addis Israel where I belong mm-hmm. and also I'm also an employee of the institution and she has had a lot of public she's had a lot of success period but she's had a lot of public success in the last few years first well, there's been many examples, but like the one that most people know about is she was the she was the rabbi for the funeral of Ruth Bader Ginsburg mm-hmm. and all the memorials therein. And then she was recently invited to light the Hanukkah at the White House. And I had a number of people say to me, colleagues, friends, family members, hashtag, hey, mom, and said something to the effect of, aren't you so jealous? Because 
this is somebody I'm friends with. Like I spend, I spend social time with her at least once a week. We talk and, and WhatsApp message basically every day. And I just don't feel that. Like I am just so proud of her successes. And I don't know, Tova, if that is because I made a very, very conscious decision 10 and a half years ago when I got pregnant with Ayla and Elijah. And the conscious decision was, I am making a right-hand turn out of this trajectory of my career. And with that decision and the work that I did to make that happen, I came to terms with, I guess maybe you would say, that my career was not going to fly in the same way that others were. And, and I do not feel of others who have had success a sense of competition with them. I don't really feel that with anyone professionally. Okay. Well, I think we're going to move on from the conversation because I feel like I'm pinned as this competitive, crazy person and you're pinned no, as not no, as an altruistic. No. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I want to say something about that. I th- I'm saying you're right. I think most people are like that. I think you're right. The culture is built around competition. Like even from the outset of rabbinical school, like as you said, you go to New York or they come to LA and you interview for these jobs and it's like a who gets chosen. Like it is a competition. Like it definitely is built in the system. I just don't feel it internally. I don't want to tell you how you feel, but I think we've had conversations which have been alluded to not specific humans that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But a general feeling of like, oh my goodness, people are doing what they're getting accolades and they're getting awards and they're getting acknowledgement, whatever it is. And like, I'm not right this second, you know, and that, that is just the setup. I don't think that you like, I think that the setup of our world is such that, and I think it's actually a detriment specifically to women. And I, I felt this my whole life, like being in groups of women, like sorority life. I know it's so hard to imagine me in a sorority, but I was in one a long, (laughs) long time ago and less quote unquote traditional, even like um, not specifically women's circles, but like, like circles that are not cis men around, right? Like even that, those, those spaces, queer spaces even, right? Like, and again, it's, there's a piece of me that knows that it's work that I need to do, right? The work that I need to do, which I'm constantly in, which is, okay, I see this and I feel this. And uh, what do I do with that feeling? I'm going to breathe, right? Like it's that, that thing. And it, that's my work to do. But, but the I'm culture. talking about the culture. I'm yeah. talking about like generally yeah. what the culture does is that it doesn't actually set, it's not a natural setup for, I think, two female rabbis to do a podcast together. I don't think that's a, I don't, I don't think that's a natural setup in our, I think in some ways it's not, I don't want to like, peg us as being so countercultural because we're not. We're just doing a podcast, just the two of us. Like, I don't think of us as doing anything so remarkable, meaning I like what we're doing, but I don't want to like make it sound like, you know what I mean? Like, I I appreciate it. But but I think there is something countercultural that like is there in us doing this work together. I don't think the setup is such in like in our world, in our rabbi world to do this. Two rabbis off the beaten path doing a podcast together. And for you, that comes from the patriarchy. I mean, yeah, I think I think that's like a very simplified answer. 
And yes, like I think ultimately that's where it stems from. It's our whole culture. But I think that rabbinical schools sort of elevate the patriarchy. Generally, I don't care which school you are. And I think our world does. Listen, and I'm I'm a realist too. I'm not saying that, you know, rabbinical schools or the Jewish world is any worse than the rest of the world. It's not. It's all the same. I think what's very painful for me is that we're rabbis. We represent the Jewish tradition and the spiritual tradition and the wisdom of Judaism. And so when we as rabbis, when our when our world does not represent what I think it ought to represent, it is very painful for me. Do you feel like this podcast represents that? Like in your experience of doing the podcast, do you feel like it represents a different like cultural underpinning or do you feel it still feels patriarchal to you? Mm, it's a mix. I think it depends. I think it depends on what we're talking about, how we're talking about it. No, I think in, you know, I think we we are unraveling things. I think it represents a deconstruction in some ways, which means that like some episodes are going to feel more patriarchal, inherently patriarchal than others, you know, and I think that's OK. Like, I I'm OK with that because we're living through it, meaning we're all we're all in it. We're all products of it and we're all consciously or subconsciously sort of putting our patterns on it. You know, that's just that it's it's not I think what's a misnomer is I think people think the patriarchy is like just a few people that decided that it should be the patriarchy. <laughs> Like and like we we're all fighting against those few people. No, no, we have to fight against ourselves when we're like sort of deconstructing systems. And I think there's lots of people doing that work. And it's also really you have to live in the real world, which is inherently patriarchal. That's that's my opinion. It's not not the law. That's just my experience of the world. Have you experienced any environments that weren't patriarchal, that were doing more than just unraveling, that were like already there? No. I've experienced moments like moments on this podcast, like I've experienced many moments. No, not not complete systems or spaces. No. What do you think would change in the rabbinical world if we were able to like, not maybe not be fully non-patriarchal, but like deconstruct some of those values that you feel are like antithetical to what you believe are Jewish values in this regard? I think, again, we're really living through deconstruction, which is like a really hard place to live, I think, as humans. Like, I think it's happening all the time and we are living through it. So I think what's happening now is great, meaning people are challenging a lot of what's happened in the world and, and calling things out, right? So I think at this point in rabbinical school, I surely hope this is happening. I don't know. I'm not there. But I hope that when learning a masachet, a, like, a, like when learning some Talmud, right, a piece of Talmud, I hope that when there is something that is terribly something, right? misogynistic, homophobic, sexist, whatever. Of course, that's a context of time. And it's named. Hmm. What we're about to read <laughs> is X, Y, and Z. Uh, contextually, let's look at the time period. And also let's name that. Great. We're going to read it. I don't want to throw it out, to be very clear. We're not throwing it out. We can't throw it out. It's there. It's part of us. And it's there. And we must like find a way through it. But um. I don't know if that's happening, right? I know it it didn't happen in my my experience and and it doesn't happen with my experience with many people when I talk about things. So I, I hope that that's happening. I don't think that's actually living in a non-patriarchal world, but I think that's like honoring the fact that the patriarchy is alive present, and well. Alive yeah. and well and 
by the way, by doing, you know, systems of hierarchy right here, our system isn't like those things, the systems are not changing right now. I mean, I think they slowly are eroding maybe in certain ways, like certain ones. You know, I think we just, we see it differently. I don't, this notion that you suggested about like the patriarchy is not like one person or a few people coming together and deciding that, you know, it's not as simple as that. it's more complex than that. It's like underneath the surface in a way and we're all a part of it. I feel like I have to think about that more because I'm not sure what I think about that. Can I give an example? Yeah, sure. Of course. Okay. My entire rabbinic career, like from, because as like, you know, right, first step when you step onto a campus of rabbinical school, like you're considered quote unquote a rabbi to the rest of the world. That's like something that our rabbi like teaches us, right? Rabbi Artsen, right? Okay, so from the beginning, I was sort of implicitly, explicitly taught by others, like not specific, no one specific, right? This is not pointing fingers, which is what I used to do, but it's not, it's just a system, which is like, as a rabbi, you have like a sense of authority, you are seen in, a, in such a way and, and command the room in a way, right? Like that's sort of there. So what was really interesting to me is my whole life, I like constantly, whenever I was teaching, whenever I was doing, um, officiating anything, Right. I kind of was constantly interrupted or challenged, kindly usually, right? Like, but always. Yeah, under the chuppah, Eliana, I have people being like, wait, 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 wait let's do this. <laughs> like, what rabbi has that happen? I mean, oh my goodness. And I would be for a long time so rigid. Like I would like sort of dig my heels internally, not externally. What, and I would say, why are they not treating me like a rabbi? Why am I not seen as a rabbi right now? I am like literally wearing a talit. I'm standing on like some sort of stage. Am I not a rabbi? Like, I don't get it. You know, like, would they do that to so-and-so? Probably not. What I realized though, recently, very recently when I was facilitating a really hard ritual, actually, and in the middle of the ritual, the individual was like, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to do earth. I want fire. I need fire in this ritual. And like, for a moment, I was like, oh my goodness, again, I'm again in the middle, I am a rabbi and I'm getting challenged again. And then I realized, Eliana, no, (laughs) this is how I rabbi. And I think in some ways it is sort of matriarchal, maternal. I don't know what the label is, but it's not patriarchal. I mean, not because like I'm above it or it's just like the way that I am in the world is such that people feel like they can actually interject and insert themselves and co-create whatever they're creating. And I'm not saying that's the model for everyone or every rabbi. I'm not suggesting that. But what I do think is interesting is that there was not space for that, for that model or modeling for me when I was in rabbinical school or even as a rabbi. I don't see that out in the world. And I think it's, it's a valid way to rabbi. And I think that's an example of like sort of systems that sort of like play into like our psyche and how we operate. Does that resonate at all? Does that explain it at all? I have a lot of follow-up questions that I want to talk about, which I think are like kind of related to this topic, which is like, do you not think you have authority? Do you think like authority by its nature is patriarchal? Um, that's a great question. I'm going to have to think on that. Right. So I think like I have a lot more to say, but I'm looking at the time and realizing we probably need to continue this conversation like we do most conversations because we're out of time. Wait, can I ask a quick question before we leave? Okay. Really quick, Eliana, favorite character of Genesis this year because we're closing Genesis. Joseph. Oh, damn. Mine too. Well, why? Why? Why yours? I am Joseph. I mean, that line. Which one? The end. I am Joseph. Not this week. Last week. I am Joseph. Like with a weep, with a wail. I can't get over it right now. 
it's just like so powerful. Then I'll play a second, which is like my second choice, which is Yehuda. Uh-huh. Yeah. Judah. Judah. I think he knows it's Yosef. I think he knows it's Joseph. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know In if I do. In this past weeks. I don't know if I do, um, but I know a lot of people think that. Yeah. And I've been holding on to that, like the things, I, I've been holding on to that line from this interchange between when Joseph discovers his brothers again and the text says um he recognized them but they did not recognize uh-huh. him yeah and i just like that notion of like hakir in hebrew like to to know something to yeah. understand something i'm just like sitting with that so i guess judah in that way because i'm playing with this notion that he may have known so powerful oh my goodness okay okay eliana more more to come listeners thank you for being here every other week with us we love you we love when you rate us on apple and you follow us <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts also at not your jewish mother pod you can friend request eliana she may or may not reciprocate then there's also me at rabbi tova it is such a pleasure we look forward to more we will be back january 14th for more for now we are wishing you a winter hiatus filled with courage hope and love take good care